Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful week. We got Amanda here with us this week. Amanda, how you doing? Doing well. Awesome. Awesome. She's, uh, she's been off working with one of our um, therapy dogs, a.k.a. Um, team mascot, a school mascot dog that's in elementary school in a county um, that we're in. And so how was that today? She is doing good. Today we worked on some confidence building in the classroom, in the gym, worked on some just being okay with being still and being, I like to call it the art of doing nothing, which is important for really any dog, but specifically a therapy dog, because even when they're not working, they still need to be able to be behave and be in their place and do all the things with, especially in an elementary school, you got kindergarten through I think sixth grade at this school. So kids running around, all the different noises, building confidence so that it can be confident in really any situation, whether it be a fire drill or any other kind of drill that the school has. So working on all those things today, we work specifically with a bike because the dog had never seen a bike before. So a bike in the school. Yep, they have it in the gym. They have, really? They have a bike and rollerblades. Look how school has changed. Yeah, I know. Look, we just jumped into this episode. I mean, I like said hi to everybody, and then we jumped in. I guess we'll let you guys know. We're gonna we're just going to talk a little bit about the difference between, because we work with service dogs. Um, we're starting to take on some more therapy dogs, and some of our service dogs are actually becoming facility dogs mm-hmm. that are more of therapy-style dogs, so they're not that kind of that task work. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about you know, kind of the laws that are surrounding this, uh, the differences between um, these dogs, um, how you work on. So things like what you would work on with Dixie in therapy at school may be different of what maybe a therapy dog in a um, children's hospital or um, a cancer ward or uh, Alzheimer's facility. Um, And then, uh, we'll talk a little bit about kind of the service dogs and emotional support animals, which I know people get a little confused on. So 
Um, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about kind of that training of what, what you want to kind of focus on a little bit more. So why don't we start since we've already got on Dixie, let's talk about Dixie being a therapy dog style and they're not calling her that. Um, but I think that's just because of whatever they're doing with the district of the school system, but she's really being therapy. Uh, you've kind of dealt with, with Dixie the most. What is she focusing on using Dixie for in this elementary school? Elementary kind of junior high. Yeah. Kind of middle so school. Dixie's ultimate goal is to become a certified therapy dog. So they're working towards um, what types of behaviors and things does Dixie need to be able to do or ignore in order to pass a known test that then certifies the dog as a therapy dog. So there's a couple different organizations in the country that will certify a dog as a therapy dog, which is one of the big differences between therapy and service um, is that there actually is a known test that is pretty universal and Y'all, we have dogs playing in the office, just so you know. Isabella is so excited. She's been by herself for so long, but Clark is here. And then one of our service dogs in training, Lucky, is here. So they're, we're just letting them kind of be. So y'all are going to get to hear uh, a day in the life of Dog Speak and what is taking place. And, and Clark is um, not taking Lucky out for dinner um, before... <laughs> before doing his thing uh, so if you hear a little bit of that background you know what i'm not editing it out this is just this is a dog podcast people you might hear some barking and you might hear some correcting you never know um where we use our that's enough in a redirect so um so with that yeah therapy dog i know that the canine good citizen is kind of one of the main things that a lot of the therapy dog organizations go for yeah what are some of the other things that they're looking at so the canine good citizen is a good like baseline you know is my dog, does it have the potential to maybe go to a more advanced training um, or like you do the real life rover? Um, and then the therapy test, test specific things like is your dog, does it have appropriate behavior on a leash with walkers, wheelchairs, um, people that maybe look different like wearing baggy clothing, hunched over, making weird noises, anything you could encounter in a hospital, um, in a school, you know, like a kid running around. Um, it has to be okay around a neutral dog, so it can't be super distracted by dogs. Um, and then another task that it needs to be able to do is be appropriate when getting pet. Obviously, a therapy dog is providing therapy for a lot of people. Um, so it needs to be okay with a lot of pe different types of people, different looking people, different ages of people. And then does it accept a treat or does it leave the treat on command, depending on what you prefer? Because some therapy dogs may be allergic to different treats. So if someone offers them something or maybe it's, you know, someone with Alzheimer's that says, oh, here, puppy, do you want my biscuit? And oh. it's like a cupcake. Like yep. the dog needs to have a strong leave it. So if I ever confuse my cupcake <laughs> with a biscuit, commit me. <laughs> so... There's a lot of, it's, it's a very, like, thought-out test. It's very um, detail-oriented, and so there's a lot of things to work on that we can start working on as young as eight weeks old, um, or even in the service dogs, we work on them starting at three weeks, uh, just to build that strong foundation in order to hopefully ensure higher confidence level, 
um, and a more successful pass rate of that test. Um, That being said, the organizations that allow the testing generally also offer a coverage like we certify that your dog can pass this test, meaning we back you in in any situation that you can take your dog into, and that usually comes with some sort of insurance policy. So they're saying we certify you, and like we will stand behind you because we know that your dog is a good dog. Um, so that's one benefit of getting your dog certified as a therapy dog if you do want to take them into a public facility like a hospital, a nursing home, that kind of stuff. Um, it's that extra level of coverage, basically. So with therapy dogs, where are people using therapy dogs the most? Most commonly, you think of them in hospitals, nursing homes. Um, a lot of people, if you just have a really good dog, um, they'll take them to visit like the staff at hospitals. The staff, especially these days, love it because of COVID blues and everything. Um but they will also visit patients. They'll do cancer patient visits while we have WrestleMania going on over here. No, I really, it's, I'm, I'm feeling the entire, the entire thing is shaking here. They are absolutely insane right now. Um, none of these guys are presenting any therapy capabilities um, at all. Although they are bringing me joy because Isabella is so happy. That she has a playmate. <laughs> Why they have to go into this room to do it when there's an entire house? Not as it's not big, but there's an entire another room they could go to. Um, so yeah, so I know we do some facility dogs that do therapy for uh, so like domestic violence um, victims when they you know go and talk with someone. We have facility dogs that actually are there for the employees. Yeah. All right. So because they do, they hear these stories over and over again. Um, so that's, you know, because you typically hear therapy dogs are going in the hospitals and, um, you know, reading programs mm-hmm. and those things and schools. But I love seeing <clears throat> these dogs going into the schools. Yeah. We have a couple of facility dogs. Retrieving Independence has a couple of facility dogs in schools. Um, Dixie is her on her own kind of um, therapy dog um, for this school, and we're working through Dog Speak uh, to help them out. And, I, and from what I've heard, I think they're looking at getting more dogs for the nice. for the county. Yeah. So um, I think that when people realize that um, it's beneficial, you know, because these kids, you don't know what these kids go through at home. Yeah, it's really beneficial for the kids. Um, because, like you said, you don't know what's going on at home. And Andrea's has said, who's Dixie's handler, has said that the kids open up a lot more when Dixie's in the room. Some kids just need, they just need a minute. Like, they, we don't know what goes on at home, but for whatever reason, the kid is shut down that day. And they can come in and snuggle with Dixie and it resets their day. So it's not even necessarily, oh, like a reading program. Like, yeah, a lot of kids, especially if they have like a learning disorder or like dyslexia, they, they're behind in reading or they don't like reading out loud because maybe they stutter or something. The dogs don't judge them, so they'll read to the dog. Um, so that's really cool. And then there's also the dogs that a lot of times in the schools and also in the like counseling centers – 
dogs just bring a sense of comfort to people and it's more like it's not that they're talking to the dog because they will be talking to a professional but with a dog present the stress levels there's research out there the cortisol levels decrease as the dog is there um, and provides that opportunity to open up at a lower level of stress so they're more likely to talk about what's really going on and it helps get to the bottom of some things. And so having those dogs there play a huge role in the everyday. And it just, I can see like today when I was at the school, like the kids just light up when Dixie is in the room. They all know. Where I I'm light up when Dixie's in the room. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is so a cute. cute damn dog. <laughs> and she's only like eight, what, eight months? I think so. Eight months eight or nine. She's so little too. But she's a she's a cute doll. She's a doll. Yeah. And so, and the, the kids are doing really well. So, like with Retrieving Independence, we don't have a ton of opportunity unless we get some more volunteers that work at schools. Hint, hint. Um, RIServicedog.org. <laughs> um, Andrea has done a great job educating her staff and her kids. So every single kid in that school, she says about 80% of them. The little ones are a little more unpredictable, but about 80% of the kids know that Dixie needs to be seated in a sit before she can be pet. Awesome. Um, and they know if she gets up, then they can't pet her anymore. So they'll tell her, Dixie, sit. And oh, cute. Like, it's, I just have to laugh because the kids don't know, but they're like, sit, 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 sit. sit. They're like so excited. And Dixie's like, what? <laughs> so... But eventually she knows, like, oh, if I need, if I want to get pets, like, she'll sit. And so it's really cool to see how she impacts the kids, and she's still learning. So luckily Andrea's in a position where she can take Dixie to school, work through some things right now. She's going through the adolescent barking. Woohoo! Your dog's so. not broken. Episode from last <laughs> week. Yeah. So she's wanting attention. She's wanting treats. She's not understanding why I got a treat for sitting, like, Two seconds ago, but now it's been three seconds. I want a treat. Yeah. Um, so working on timing of that kind of stuff. And so as long as it's really great that they have a community and like coworkers there that understand like, oh, Dixie's barking. She's working through stuff. Um, so that's that's cool. And they're all on board with that. Uh, but and that's, that's important. And, you know, even pet owners need to realize that dogs are not going to be perfect. I mean, and, and we did. We talked about it in the episode last week that. I mean, eight months, being on this earth for eight <laughs> short months. You know, we tend to think, oh, eight months, you should be through all these phases. They've only been alive for eight short months. Yeah. You know, be be patient, which, because that is the major time, that adolescent phase is when most dogs get sent to the shelter mm-hmm. because they are going through these things. So keep in, in mind, guys, that just because you get training early on, um, the dogs are still going to go through these phases. We have to let them go through these phases. So even though Dixie's been training, when when do we start with her? I think she was about four or five. Yeah, about four or five old. months old, and now she's doing some group classes with us as well, um, and some private. But I mean, even you start training that early, they're still going to go through these stages, and you mm-hmm. still have to know how to handle that. Uh, don't freak out and think that your dog's gone backwards. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you if you have an idea that you want your dog to be a therapy dog, then you know put in the work, start early, and again know what kind of therapy work you want to do. Yeah, because I do think that there are a lot that you know I've had um, some clients who 
or therapist and they just want the dog just to be in the room, mm-hmm. right? They don't necessarily want the dog to go and comfort the person, but just them being in the room, mm-hmm. right? That might uh, not need as many skills, but the big skill it needs is being able to just sit and do nothing. Sit and do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big thing. And if you want to go the route of being able to take the therapy dog to various different facilities and you do want to go through the test, it's important to also think about, you know, what needs to be prepared for that. And with that, it's, if we just had, if this was a video podcast right now, it'd be good. Like, I'm just curious when I go back to listen to this, if, if, if we're actually going to be able to use it with all the, the way that the lines on the program is going from the noise. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're, they're having a phenomenal time. And frankly, it's kind of a little bit therapy for me watching them because I don't get to watch a lot of dog interaction in a positive way anymore. <laughs> so, uh yeah, so it's really, yeah, knowing where you want to work your dog, knowing what those skills. Right, and, and knowing, don't put the expectations too high on the dogs, because if you do want to end up doing one of those tests one day, a lot of them don't allow the dogs to test until they're 18 months old for a valid reason, being that they're not mature yet. They're not. Um, but if you think about people, like we spend 18 years of our lives in school, some 22s. Yeah. Me, 20. Sorry. A lot. 20, a lot. <laughs> um, but, and then we look at our dogs and we're like, well, they went through two six weeks classes and right. they they were good and now they're bad and like. They you, must be broken. You, you want them yeah. to behave after maybe six months of training for right. the rest of their lives. Like learning with a world they don't understand right the the training needs to continue to happen and it needs to happen in all scenarios that you want your dog to be able to for, perform in like and they need to continue that training just because mm-hmm. they get certified doesn't mean that they don't need to keep up their skills right right just any type of business that you do any job that you do it's called continuing education <laughs> i mean i'm doing it constantly yep. and i have been 26 years in march i've been doing this mm-hmm. i'm still continuing education i'm mm-hmm. still getting geeky and nerdy over it too <laughs> Um, you don't stop. No. Right. And that's again, why I think it's so important that we focus a lot on teaching the handlers of these dogs, because if we can teach the handlers, it's going to help them navigate these uh, developmental phases. Mm -hmm. So it's like we have uh, our group class last night, we have two dogs. Um, and if you are listening, Hey guys, I hope you're listening anyway. Um, because I told them they, they have two male dogs. Uh, there's two male dogs in class, both intact. Um, one is just about a year, one maybe just a tad younger than that. But, you know, one of them uh, could not function, could not function to listen to anything anyone had to say. Um, even after play, we were trying to get all the dogs back. It spent five minutes. We spent five minutes trying to get this dog back onto the leash because this dog could only think about what was going on with his testicles. <laughs> And, um, and this big adolescent phase and you can just see the defeat on the owner's faces. But the thing is, is that that's, that's normal. Mm-hmm. It's aggravating, but it's normal, right? So as long as the owners understand that, know how to navigate it, then they can help the dog navigate it. Right. Um, cause yeah, it's, it just takes, you know, it takes work and it takes time. It takes patience. Yes. Patience is big. Um, and you got to be willing to kind of put that time in there. And yeah, plan on two years worth of 
of training. Even when our RI dogs are matched and gone to their uh, recipient at 18 months, um, there's a reason why we don't release the dogs to the recipients for another year mm-hmm. because the dog's still learning, learning, developing, and, and they're learning how to have this new piece of life. Because mm-hmm. I think if those that are really into therapy, especially somebody that works in it day in and day out, and, it's, and they're not just doing therapy like once a week, mm-hmm. right? They're taking that dog every week. Um, that is a huge part of your life now. So it, it's, it's, an, it's an aspect of, of your everyday routine that you have to adjust and know that what happens on a day that dog's not doing well, what happens on a day where I'm not doing well. Um, so it's, it really is a kind of a team effort. And just so people understand, and we we're going to briefly touch on this is therapy dogs do not have the same rights as service dogs. Correct. Um, therapy dogs can go into facilities that welcome therapy dogs and every facility is different. There's no one, there, there's no legal, um, access Correct. For therapy dogs. Yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about the differences between all of that because there is still a big confusion amongst the general population of what's the difference between a pet, emotional support animal, a therapy dog, a service dog. They all have different credentials and do what some people think is similar jobs because when you have the psychiatric service dogs, you have the ESAs, and then you have a therapy dog because they're all providing in some way some sort of emotional support. Just at different levels. Yes. So it's very, it can be very confusing. But so basically the pets, if you think about it in like an access sense, you have to ask for a pet to go in anywhere. Um, You have to look for, call ahead. Like, is this a pet friendly hotel? Is this a pet friendly restaurant? Can I bring my pet? The same concept applies for therapy dogs. Therapy dogs don't have any sort of access rights. Um, and a lot of, even a lot of hospitals are going to ask, well, is it a certified therapy dog? Some of the like retirement homes, if you say your dog's a therapy dog, they will sometimes let you in. It just depends on the different home. Um, but therapy dogs, you still have to ask before entering, um, emotional support animals also need you also need to ask, and the laws are constantly changing with the emotional support animals. They used to be allowed on the airlines. They're no longer allowed on airlines. No, because thank you to the peacock owners and the, uh, you know, reptiles, reptiles and for, emergen- for emergency support. I don't I always say emergency support, <laughs> emotional support. Let's talk about what is an emotional support dog. So an emotional support dog is different from service and therapy be- in that it's something that comforts you. Mostly in your own home. So you can take it in the car with you. You can take it places. But, like, it doesn't have the rights to go to the grocery store. It doesn't have the rights to do that. What it does have is a legitimate emotional support animal is a prescription from your psychiatrist that is a formal letter saying due to this mental or psychological um, disadvantage that this person has, this animal would help them mitigate daily life. So there is a specific legal document that says this animal is legit. I certify this is my license number, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that allows the dog to stay at a hotel. Um, and 
allows it to be at a living facility, whether it be a dorm, an apartment, a rental home. Um, so, like, if someone is, like, uh, I have a rental home, no pets allowed, they have to, if they, they can't discriminate. Right. Of saying, you don't, I, I'm not taking you because you have an emotional support. Mm-hmm. They have the right to fight that. But honestly, why would you fight that? If the landlord doesn't want you, they're going to make your life hell. Right, right. But, yeah. Same thing kind of for, applies for Airbnbs. It's a little gray, but, like, if you have an ESA um, and the owner of the Airbnb lives on the property, they can legally deny for whatever reason um, because it is a private home. Hmm. Um, but that's a little gray. So, it doesn't have service dog rights, but it does have a little bit more as far as like living situation. It has a little more rights for that sense. Um, and generally speaking, the uh, like an apartment complex can't charge a pet fee for an emotional support dog because they are a. It's like taking a prescription pill. Like they're not going to charge you a fee for being on a medication. Just right. like they're not going to charge you because legally the dog has a job now there's a lot of fake esas out there so yes y'all please stop. do the right thing stop stop doing that um i don't think any of our listeners do that do you listeners okay good <laughs> so but that's the fake esas are the main reason why they're no longer allowed on the airlines because yep. they weren't potty trained they were biting airline staff they were disrupting the whole flight um peeing in the cabin like all the thing it was just it became an issue because people were faking the certification of being an ESA and then they ended up ruining it for other people. Um, so, which can go right into the service dog world. Yes. So, not only does it hinder faking an ESA or faking a service dog, not only does it hinder other people with an actual disability, but it's just a terrible thing to do. But um, the service dogs. Are another gray zone because they don't have a, like, legal document. And the reason behind that is because the way the ADA is written, you can self-train a service dog and or you can get one through an organization like Retrieving Independence. Um, and the thought behind self-training is that sometimes the weight or the cost of a trained service dog from an organization is too high. Um, or the wait is too long, and so they'll train it themselves. Um, it could be a cost reason. It could be whatever reason. So they felt saying that every service dog needs to have documentation. Documentation costs money. Some people can't afford money. So Yeah, they're already dealing with disabilities that probably include a lot of hospitalizations or medication. Right. or So that's the reason why service dogs don't have a test. Um, well, we give them a test to make sure they're good, but like... There's no national certification. So, restaurants, they're allowed in restaurants, they're allowed in grocery stores, they're allowed anywhere the handler goes, the service dog is allowed, unless it's a private entity. So, if it's someone's private home, legally, they could deny you. I don't know. I mean, you should know the person that you're going to. But like, I know a lot of people might hesitate, like, oh, I'm going to like a Bible study. Just be aware that if you have a service dog, that's some type of situation where it's like, hey, I have this service dog. Or in Nashville, a lot of recording studios are in homes. So yes. people with service dogs, you know, it's always a courtesy to ask 
um, if it's a private facility. Churches are another place. You know, and I was surprised when I got into retrieving independence. I was surprised mm-hmm. that churches had a right mm-hmm. to deny a service dog. Yeah, which blows my mind. But yeah, that sign that says "All are welcome." <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have four legs. <laughs> now, we've not had that problem. We have not. I mean, so we're not calling anybody out. We haven't had that problem. But it's something to be aware of because yeah. I know that we do have people that do their own, you know, train their own service dogs. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a lot of information. Yeah. There's a lot of information. There is a lot. And there's um, the other, like, gray zone is they don't have to have a vest. They don't have to have document. The only thing they can present is proof of vaccination. Um, they do have to have at least two tasks yes. that the dog, uh, that that the recipient, handler, owner needs in order to live a as normal a life as they can. Right. So there and are, they can, and they can be asked what those tasks are. Yeah. But they, they cannot be asked what the disability is. Correct. So they can. There's two questions they can ask. It's um, is the dog a service dog, and that's a yes or no question. And then. What tasks are the is the dog trained to perform? Um, so in that sense, it could be something as simple as, oh, well, mobility and medical response. That's not giving out information to anyone of your disability. Um, you can say like, oh, well, I have a medical condition and he is trained to go get my medications, go get help, respond to me if I pass out, that kind of stuff. Um, so there's... That, that's an open-ended question that can be answered as vague or specifically as the handler prefers. Um, so they do need to have those two tasks. Um, and then there's also different laws state by state for the service dogs. Um, service dogs in training are viewed as pets in some states and service dogs in other states. So in Tennessee, service dogs in training have the same access rights as fully trained service dogs. Um that being said, with whether it's a dog in training or a fully trained service dog, the thing that people need to be aware of is that the most appropriate way to go about entering a, let's just say, restaurant is uh, restaurants have a lot of reputation of saying, oh, well, we don't allow dogs. It's like, well, this That's is a lot a of young dog. staff in the front, right? That's all they know. <laughs> we don't allow dogs. <laughs> we don't oh, it's a service dogs. dog. And especially the service dogs in training. Um, that sometimes they are six pounds, like George. Um, so cute. They're like, seriously, he's a service dog in training? Um, <laughs> he fits in one hand. <laughs> how is that a service dog? So um, in that sense, it's a good education point saying, like, you know, the Tennessee law allows service dogs in training, and it's important because this helps build the foundation and blah, blah, blah. It's a very educational moment in that sense. And we did have an access issue last weekend with George. Because he's too little to walk. Uh, he wasn't quite yet vaccinated. Or he had just gotten vaccinated, but you got to wait a couple days after vaccination. Um, so he was held. He had his vest on. He didn't have his little stroller. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if he had a stroller, but maybe. Um, and he was downtown on Broadway going into Fifth and Broadway, the new shopping food and complex. No one wants to do that. And <laughs> no one local wants to do that. So the security guard out front actually was like, there's no dogs allowed. And luckily, Ben was brave enough and bold enough to say, like, oh, this is a service dog. And the guard came back as, if that's a service dog, why are you holding it? <laughs> and so he's like, 
listen, man, I understand the confusion and laid out the law in a very respectful, educational way. And the guard actually ended up thanking him and was like, I had no idea. Thank you for that. And I will talk to my manager because that's something we need to know. Um, so go Ben. So yeah, so there's, there's a big difference in that. And, and also back to the training aspect of it. If there's things, you know, will trigger your dog, like another dog, then maybe going inside of a restaurant with your dog in training is not yet the right time. So in that sense, I like to have, like, I've told Dixie, for example, Dixie's not a service dog, but she's in therapy dog training. I'm like, it's still important for her to go to a restaurant where there's other dogs and she can be calm around other dogs. So sit on the patio. Yeah. So a lot of places do allow pets on the patio. You do need to check with them. They are not obligated Mm -hmm. to allow your pet on the patio. Right. Just so y'all know. So, but yeah. So basically for service dogs or service dogs in training, um, they can be asked to leave if they're disruptive, but they have to be granted access. They have to give them a chance to try. Um, so in that sense, the service dogs are allowed pretty much everywhere. The therapy dogs are allowed where permission is given. The ESAs are pretty much only allowed in living entity, like living facility, like where you a private residence private, style yeah. or wherever you live, that hotel, dog is allowed. motel, if you're traveling, mm-hmm. driving somewhere. Okay. And pets. They need usually pets. There's going to be a pet fee, and that's yes. the biggest. That's the biggest thing that why people started faking things. I think is because of the fee, and it's like, look, if you if you can't pay the two hundred dollar round trip airfare for your pet to fly, don't. It's going to cost fly. a. Don't fly. It's going to cost a lot more to board it. True. So, unless you just come stay at the house. <laughs> So. I don't know. I don't even know how much we pay you to do that. Britt handles all that. <laughs> we might be overpaying. I don't know. I would love to fly with my dog, but it's stressful. It's too stressful for me to fly. Uh, but, I mean, it's we people that just, when we talk about, no matter, really, let's just say, no matter what we talk about, what kind of dog you have, what you're going to work them for, use them for. For me, working dogs, I had search and rescue dogs, um, human remains detection dogs. These dogs worked alongside um FBI, TBI, uh, police officers. I mean, we were in the thick of a lot of things. We had still no right going in anywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, if you harmed our dog while we were working for the police, you would be arrested and charged with an assault on an officer. Mm -hmm. But we had no rights taking our dogs in anywhere. Mm And um, so they were basically pets outside of their job. Right. And uh, so no matter what your dog does as a job, unless you have a service dog, you need to be very aware of what the law and the rules are um, in your state, in your area. And the biggest is, don't please don't be faking things. Um, when people fake service dogs, and I have seen people with service dogs that I look at and go, wow, that's... It's cute. It's a cute dog, but that dog has no manners. The dog has no confidence. There's no way that dog's a service dog. Mm -hmm. It's making it harder for the people that really need them. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
The thing is, is that the, the people that need service dogs, they will have their service dogs and they will be able to live their life and go places. But we want, we don't want it to be hard on them going places to have to get questions. And, you know, they're already struggling with a lot of things, especially our recipients have PTSD, anxiety. They don't need that extra pressure of somebody coming up and questioning them because of, um, you know, because somebody has faked a dog. Mm-hmm. And I caught myself doing this as I sold some things on Marketplace and I had a guy reach out and he's like, I've got cash. And I was like, no, I don't want cash. I'd much rather have a cashier's check or like Venmo, right? And and he was like, oh, you know, he offered me a price. I'm like, we've already established that. And so my whole head, I'm like, is this guy trying to scam me, right? Because there's so many scams. Mm-hmm. I ended up being a little, not as nice as I am as a human being, <laughs> Because I just assumed, and then when I met him in person, I apologized because I was like, I am sorry. I I just, people, there's so many people trying to scam you. So what other people have done will put people on edge mm-hmm. to assume that it might be that next person. Right. And, you know, and, and I told him, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I just, I don't have, I don't have a way to check if the bills are real. I just have to, you know. Let's just go the safe route, and, and I felt bad. I mean, he showed up. He has two little girls with him, and I mean, we were. And I, yes. but, it, and it made me realize that what other people do affects the people that are trying to do right, even right. if they've never done wrong, mm-hmm. because it does. It puts us on edge. So, and then I've also seen people get very rude about their service dog. Yes. Um, one in particular, I remember seeing this woman walk in and I doubt this dog was a service dog just because <laughs> the way she acted. Um, and it was a, a Goodwill store and Goodwill hires, um, less, um, privileged, uh, people, people that, that have special needs. And he was at the door and, you know, he, he's so cute. He's always welcome to Goodwill. Welcome to Goodwill. Have a nice day. And he had a job, right? Yeah. She's coming in with this dog. He was, I'm sorry, ma'am. We don't allow dogs. And she was like, um, he's a service dog. And he didn't understand. He goes, no, ma'am, we don't allow dogs. And she got like this attitude with him. I'm like, I'm sorry. If you have a service dog, then you're well aware of the less fortunate or the ones that need a little extra assistance. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be that. You shouldn't have been rude to him like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I almost went and said something to her. Because I was like, that's not how you handle things. It doesn't, it does, it's not helpful. It doesn't make any situation better. No. It just makes you look like a not good person. And then it. She would look like an asshole. I'm just saying, I cuss on my podcast. (laughs) She looked like an asshole. Right. And then it's like, that's like, that's a learning opportunity. That's an education opportunity. That's like, that kid was probably told like. Exactly. This is your job and you need to make sure no dogs come in. Exactly. And that's what he was told. That was it. And he didn't, he didn't know. He saw a dog and it was at the door coming in. Right. And he was told no dogs are allowed. Yeah. And so that's, that's what he said. Um, so I do wish more people would ask, is that a service dog? Um, instead of just saying no dogs allowed. Yeah. Then it's very harsh. Um, but on the flip side, it's, is that a service dog? Yes. And then it's not. And so. Yeah. That's awkward, but... Um, That's awkward. That's awkward. So, I don't know. Yeah, I guess when people don't know or they say no dogs and you say that's a service dog and they try to challenge you, I always see that as an educational opportunity um, to just even even ask. I've even asked to speak like for, to a manager, to the lady at the 
registration booth at the restaurant. It's like, sorry, no pets. I'm like, it's a service dog. I know it's a puppy, but it's a service dog. <laughs> I know it's a puppy, and it's cute. It's tiny. And she's like, well, let me get my manager. Good. And and sometimes I think it's maybe just they haven't had the meeting with the new staff on what's a service dog, what the laws are. Well, when um, I worked in a restaurant, it was never talked about. Right. Nobody sat down with us at a staff meeting and said, here are the rules to this. <laughs> so I think it's just... And at the end of the day, behavior is going to be key and it's going to prove more than any document ever would. Yeah, so even if you have a service dog, dog, don't let your dog be an asshole. (laughs) Right. And you don't be an asshole. Right. Because you're representing, whether you like it or not, if you have a service dog, you're representing others that have service dogs. If you have a therapy dog, you're representing others with a therapy dog. Mm -hmm. Right? So, and unfortunately, we, you know, we all get lumped in. When I had a search and rescue dog, I'm lumped in with all other search and rescue. And let me tell you, I met a lot of search and rescue people I do not want to be lumped into. (laughs) Um, you know, because it was just, it was not a fun environment, but just, you know, if you want, whatever you want to do with your dogs, whether it's a pet, whether it's therapy work, uh, whether you have a need for a service dog, whether you have a need for an emotional support dog, train your dog, get your education, um, do what you have to do to make your dog the best version of whatever you are making of him. Right now, Clark's being um, like a male prostitute because he is like getting a little excited with um, the two pretty girls here. And I'm not talking about Amanda and myself. Uh, (laughs) We're talking about Isabella and Lucky, who have not stopped playing. Um, So, yeah, it's just making sure that you educate yourself. And if you own a business or you work at a business... Educate your staff. Go to your manager. Go to your boss. Go to whoever and say, hey, have we had a talk about this? Have we had a conversation about this? Does our staff, are they aware Mm -hmm. of what the laws say? Um, Where's a good place for people to go to get more information? So, simple Google search for your state is the number one. You'll find the ADA website. Uh, That's a good one. There are... I would say the ADA.org, I believe, is the website to go to. That's the American Disabilities Act website. And it states things out specifically on a federal level. And then this this state level is what um, you'll need to look up specifically. So if you, for Tennessee, for example, you can Google Tennessee ADA laws service dogs. Um, Tennessee ADA laws pets, ESAs, all that stuff, that will get you at the state level. And that, because like I said in the beginning, it can vary state by state. So it's always good to know if you're new to the service dog world or if you have your own business or manage a business, it's good to educate yourself on that. Um, And that way you can educate others and your staff. Yeah. And know that the, the laws in the United States are very different than the laws in other countries when it comes yes. to pets and dogs. Um, so I know we have listeners in, in other countries. Check your local um, law to see what, what pertains to you. I mean, I know when we were in Europe, uh, I loved watching dogs in the restaurants. These mm-hmm. were not service dogs. These were not therapy dogs. They were not emotional support. They were pets. And they were well-mannered pets mm-hmm. who could walk off-leash and not re- be reactive and just sit politely mm-hmm. um, because they kind of were, that's what they were brought up in. And 
And I think that if, I really think people are like, oh, I wish we would change our laws. I think that if people started training their dogs better mm-hmm. and started showing the public that dogs can be well-mannered. Right. And I've seen dogs much more mannered than children. Um, <laughs> then maybe we start to see some of these restaurants open things up. Maybe we start letting, you know, changing a little bit of the mm-hmm. health inspection and the health laws and I mean, that has a lot to do with the health regulations and laws and all that. But just know that if you're in another country, you need to check that. These are specific for the, for the United States. Excuse me. And, uh, and I wish that we would be a more pet-friendly country uh, yeah. because we're not. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I have seen a huge change. But I think that um, if we can continue to uh, give our dogs what they need and train them the way that they need to be trained, that that can, um, can really make a difference. And if... And if you are local to the Middle Tennessee area and you want to maybe even get involved with some therapy dogs or service dogs or uh, ESA dogs, or you have a facility and you'd love to have a facility dog, definitely you can reach out to us at DogSpeak. You can uh, definitely reach out to Retrieving Independence, and that's riservicedog.org. And um, we place service dogs and facility dogs. And uh, for those that have not listened to that episode where we um, had retrieving independence on, we um, have our dogs in the prison systems here in Middle Tennessee, in the women's prison and men's prison. So we have inmate trainers who do the majority of the training. And then we have a lot of volunteers for weekend furloughs where the dogs come out for the free world. But if you want to get involved in any of that, just check us out. You can always reach out to DogSpeak. We'll get you sent in the right direction uh, for that. But any closing words of wisdom you have over there? I would say no matter what you want to do with your dog, whether you just want a lap dog, a little bitty lap dog, or a bigger dog with a job, it doesn't have to be a service dog. It doesn't have to be a therapy dog. Um, If your dog likes to be active, find something it likes to do that can be seen as work, whether it's scent work or agility or find something, but most importantly, start them young. If you can, if you get a puppy, I'm going to have to say this because I'm the puppy development specialist, Yes. if you get a puppy, take the dog everywhere. I think that's a lot of the reason why like countries that are so dog friendly or even cities that I've visited that are more dog friendly than others, it's because they're open to that and they start taking their dog everywhere with them from eight weeks old. And if, and yeah. if that's the dog's normal life, that's what they're used to. It makes things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And so the training starts when they're young. Exposure. And, um, exposure. Socialization exposure. Basically, don't wait till you think you have the perfect dog in your home to try to take them to the restaurant because they will right. no longer be perfect, I guarantee. Exactly. Just because your dog is great at home does not mean they are prepared and it doesn't mean that they like being in public. Some dogs right. don't like no. being in public. No. Isabella, I think, enjoys some um, patio sitting because we did that with her as a puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've taken her like to like a downtown um, a car show, and she was in her stroller at that time. But I don't think she would enjoy it nearly as much now because it's too chaotic for her. Right. But that's just part of learning your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, not forcing them into doing things. So get to know your dog and find out what they enjoy. Uh, but the biggest is regardless of, of what the plan is for them, socialize, expose, start training early. Do not wait till all their vaccines. Do not wait till they're six months. 
do not wait. Start training as soon as you get them. And even more so if you have a rescue dog because there's a lot of things that's going to come out of that dog over the next three months that you have them. Uh, and you need to be prepared uh, so that you can all be successful. Amanda, thanks for joining me today. That tended to work out well because I had no idea what we were going to do this week. Uh, <laughs> Britt is gone right now. So I was like, oh, man, I don't know what we're going to do. Obviously, I can't do podcast alone anymore because nobody wants to hear just me talk. So um, I now have to have... And what I had planned today did not work. I have not gotten that recording done. Um, so I'm hoping to have uh, some holistic dog care podcast episodes coming up um, in the next, who knows, couple months, we'll say. Um, but we do appreciate you guys listening and we appreciate you sharing the podcast. Um, our listeners and downloads have really gone up and I'm super excited about that. And just to let you know, we have new merchandise on the website. So if you want our new dog speak shirts, it says Taman Bitches since 1996. They are now on the website. You can get that on a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, a bag. You can even get it on a COVID mask. That's <laughs> hopefully we won't need much longer. But uh, check the website out, dogspeak101.com. If you are local and you need puppy stuff, you need training, you need anything, you know you can always reach out to Dog Speak. We appreciate you. Amanda, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you'll be back. Uh, maybe once a month we can start doing yeah, one. Um, I'm just going to make you come up with the the topic. I, I made her come up with the topic. I gave her like a three-hour notice <laughs> on my way to prison this morning. Like, if you can come up with something, let's talk about it. Uh, so I know we didn't talk much training, but, you know, sometimes we just want to give you all some other knowledge. How's that? There you go. All right. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week.